Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is time. Welcome to Comic Book Nation. The only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and today we are all calling in real quick from home because even though we do it all for geek culture in these bonus round eps, we focus in on one thing and one thing only. And today that thing is, of course, Star Wars Ahsoka. So if you are listening to this, we have all basically just either woken up from or gotten done right now watching Star Wars Ahsoka so much so that half of us are only half of us made it on right now to this initial uh, flight of this ship. And uh, with me is Mr. Connor Casey. What's going on, Cove? And I think Matthew Aguilar might be jumping in here in a minute. Janelle Wheeler, unfortunately, couldn't be with us, but we will be talking a little bit. We'll get everybody's impressions about Star Wars Ahsoka Friday on our regular Comic Book Nation live show. So be sure to subscribe to our Comic Book Nation YouTube page and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. But for today, we are doing our immediate instant reactions to Ahsoka Episodes one and two are now available on Disney Plus. So obviously this is a full, I mean, we called it spoilers episode, but just in case everybody needs it, if you're just stumbling upon this spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about Ahsoka and full spoilers. That's all the preamble we need. Let's get into it. Um, I'll just say, get myself out of the way real quick. I, I don't think it's a secret like where I stand. If you've listened to this show at all, you know, I, I've been stumping for Star Wars animation ever since the Clone Wars years. I watched every episode of Rebels like live when it aired. I covered it for comicbook.com. I've been a major Ahsoka Tano fan for a long time. We've interviewed Ashley Eckstein on this show. Um, yeah, we, we, we've really been, I've been in that camp. So I will say as somebody who comes from that direction, I really enjoyed these Ahsoka episodes, these first two. Um, there's a lot of debates going on that uh, our producer Peter seems very passionate about. He put it in the, uh, in the rundown for the show, but we are going to discuss some of these things. But yeah, I get it. I get that there are some people who think some things are different, that the characters in live action hands are handled differently and so on and so forth. But I think this show had a massive challenge in front of it in terms of Again, being, and I've been thinking more and more about this, but taking this lot, this animated work, which more and more people seem to be discovering now that this is out and enjoying and really kind of valuing and bringing it into live action, which is something we kind of always say is like our hope as fans to see that be cool, but it's a monumentally hard thing to do to come from like the animation medium into live action. So out of respect for that, I really did dig a lot of what I saw. I mean, I think that the cast of this show is doing good. Like I think that Sabine Wren has, even with all the changes to her and the whole Jedi thing is 
in a lot of ways, a more interesting character than I got in Rebels. I like Natasha Bordizzo as her and playing her. She carried a lot of these first two episodes and I thought she did an awesome job. I was like, I loved Sabine all over again, but it was also like, it was Sabine, but it was also a different version of Sabine who's older and been through stuff. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead nailed like the Mama Hera vibe of it all, like in kind of being a badass general pilot and all that. She's not exactly like the Hera I remember, but again, like it, it's something that as the two episodes went, I, I'm good with that version of the character. And even seeing Ahsoka Tano, who people have been pointing out, isn't this like fiery kind of energetic person that we saw in these animated works, but it's like, I want to step back and just kind of address that in a minute, but I like what Rosario Dawson's doing because there's a lot to this character. If you've watched these other works that is coming through in her performance and a lot, she can reference just with quiet gestures and kind of like one of my favorite parts is like, um, I think, Harrow's kind of joking, like, oh, weren't you like this with your master too? Oh, guess who's guess who's back in the MF and house, Matthew Aguilar. What's up, Maddie? <laughs> What's up? Sorry, buddy. You got the you got the computers booted up? It's all I good. Got, man. I got everything, yeah, I got everything booted up. We're good to go. Okay, well, mid monologue. So continue. Yeah, call me mid monologue. Um, yeah, just full disclosure. We just decided at the. We were like, "Hey, we're gonna get on now. You want to do it now? You want to do it now? You want to do it now? You want to go on now? You want to go live now?" And we were like, "Yes, everybody go live now." So this is an impromptu live show, but here we are. Um, so a mid monologue. Yeah. So I'm just gonna wrap it up and say, like, yeah, I, I liked the mix in even Rosario Dawson as this more pensive, older Ahsoka. People get mad when Jedi aren't like self-assured, but I like Ahsoka kind of at this almost like midlife crisis point where she's wondering who she's been, how she's acted, what it has meant. There's a one of my favorite lines in this episode is her saying, you know, you didn't know what you you know, things have unintended and unintended consequences to like the choices we make and like kind of what happens to people. So I've dug all of that and I didn't find it slow. I found it kind of setting its own mood and atmosphere because we've never really had an Ahsoka focused show and like what that is. I thought the music was great. And I think everything that is set up in these first two episodes is exciting. And it's like we say in comics, like it's a blessedly simple premise, right? Mm -hmm. It's to get to this point and we're going along for that ride. So I dug it as a hardcore kind of like star Wars rebels and Ahsoka fan. Connor, what did you think? So I am in a unique position where <clears throat> uh, obviously working at the comic book office through pure osmosis, you pick up a lot about Star Wars. And weirdly enough, Rebels was the one blind spot in my fandom. I've watched just about every show and I'm only I think I need to binge two more seasons of Clone Wars to be all the way caught up. But I knew enough about obviously Filoni's work, about Ahsoka as a character um, but didn't know Sabine, didn't know the rest of that whole cast, knew what was up with Ezra and Thrawn. But again, a lot of this show was me going in blind. So from that perspective, I think the show is off to a really solid start. But I can see where some of the fans are going to have challenges with these first few with these first couple of episodes. Um you know, there's been a lot of talk already about how stoic some of the characters come off as. Honestly, to me, that felt like a combination of a Filoni wants to take his time with this show 
And it reminded me a lot of that first season of Mandalorian where there's a lot of silence and there's a lot of mood setting and, and chance to absorb the scenery, which is something I really appreciated from those first two seasons of Mando and something that I felt was lost in Obi-Wan, Book of Boba Fett, and a lot of Mando season three. I also got the feeling that Filoni just wanted to take the opportunity to go, holy crap, you guys, these characters that I've been building in this animated universe for years are on the big screen, like soak in that moment. And if you've been watching it from the start, I'm sure those moments, as Kofi has alluded to, those were huge to get to see these characters on the big screen live. Entire, you know, and then I start watching YouTube videos that are recapping the series and it looks like entire planets and settings from the animated show have been transferred into live action. And I, it, yeah, I, yeah. I, I imagine that if you were a fan for all of that, that's awesome. That's awesome to see. If you're not, some, especially in that first episode, a lot of the heavy lifting, a lot of the emotional conversations are built off of knowledge you don't have. So I can imagine that if you're walking into this show blind or even with just a passing knowledge of who Ahsoka is, some of those scenes might not hit as hard. And that's okay. I will say with the second episode... I was already given a little bit more hope for this show because one thing I think Filoni does very well. And I think it's part of what he's kind of built his side of the star Wars world on is that he's able to take the side characters, the tertiary people, the bit players in a massive war and give you their perspective on how you feel about what's going on. You know, the Skywalkers and all their drama is all in the background of these shows that he makes. And honestly, I think they're at their weakest when they're suddenly pulled in. So when we get to the second episode and we're getting back to, hey, there are some imperialist sympathizers and hey, there are opportunistic businessmen that are going to try and uh, take advantage of a situation where, hey, the New Republic's up, but it's not really well run. And some folks kind of want things to go back to the way it used to be. That's interesting. And that worked for me. When you get into a lot of the Rebel stuff, that's when I'm like, mm, I'll go back and watch the show eventually. Maybe it'll give me a deeper appreciation of this. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm rambling here at this point. But basically, my ultimate point is it's a good show. It's a well-made show. It's not perfect. And if, you're, if you don't have the Rebels fandom to back you up, it's going to be a challenge at times. All right. Yeah, this is I'm loving it. I'm loving that you gave that perspective. We're getting, I like it when we have range. Matt, where do you fit into all of this? Um, well, it's funny. So I, I actually, I'm a lot like Connor in the respect of, uh, you know, I've seen animated shows and stuff, but like I have holes, like certain, like sometimes there's not, like I don't have the complete encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of them and like remember all, everything like you do. So, but I still know who all the key players are. I still like I knew Sabine, I knew like I I know all the people, and I know the general pathway for stuff, and and I like that this show really does keep it simple. I mean, it it centers around Thrawn, <laughs> and it's like, hey, we're trying. One group is trying to find him, and the other group is trying to stop that. Uh, ultimately, at its base, it's that, and like there's all these other subplots and stuff that work along the way, but like that's the main thing, right? And so uh, I like that. It, it keeps for me that works to its benefit, and I and I think uh, I really dug this show. Like as as for someone who maybe doesn't know every single thing uh, and every single thing of importance throughout the first two episodes, 
I still like, I got all the moments. I feel like, you know what I mean? Like I still like, I came away satisfied and I came away being like, yeah, I know who, I know who Ezra is. I know why that's important. I know like all those things. And, and even though I don't have that next level of knowledge, I still know that. I still know Ezra is important. And I thought they did a good enough job of like, here's why he's important. And here's this. And here's like little bits of like, here's why these characters matter. And I thought they did a good enough job of that to keep people who aren't as familiar uh, up to speed, just enough to keep plot with the other story that's going on. The other thing is I've seen a lot of discussion about, and even amongst, like, if you look at, you know, our own comic book, dot com teams uh twitter accounts and like first reactions and stuff there was a lot of divisiveness as far as like people like this is trash <laughs> and then this is this is like season five of rebels and it's the best thing ever right you, you see that wide gap um but there's a lot of i feel like there's a lot of people talking about that you you need this knowledge and like knocking a show for uh for building upon content that is quite popular uh, and has been popular for a while. And like, that's a negative, like that's a, that should be a knock against it. And while I'm always very much a, a person who is like every comic is someone's first comic. Right. And I, and I love that when books are treated like, Hey, this might be someone's first jump into your world. So you do need to do a little onboarding. I also am not a fan of like penalizing a show for, being what the show wants to be <laughs> and if and if taking stuff that is like this wasn't like one niche book 18 years ago that no one read mm. and them expecting you to like know it this was like several popular shows with several popular characters that despite not being on the big screen ahsoka is one of like the most popular characters in star wars despite not ever being on the big screen you know what i mean She's, like, i said it she's the yeah. broly of star wars yeah these are well-known characters and so to come in and be like, well, you have to watch this other thing and like, how dare you? It's dumb to me. Like, that's my, not, my, you shouldn't penalize only... a show so, for that. It, the show is going to be what the show is going to be. Okay, like, wait, I want to, before my, Connor, before you, before you cook, I just want to formally kind of move us and frame us because this is the real crux of this conversation. I wanted everybody's opinion to see where everybody stood, but let's get into it. Second topic of debate is let's talk Star Wars Rebels and Ahsoka and like what this show is doing and what the moment means. Connor, go ahead and cook. So my counterpoint to Matt's argument, and, I, and it's not that I fully disagree with it. It's just I'm, I'm coming at it from the perspective of fans that don't necessarily have these years of fandom of this particular portion of this universe. If I start quoting the Mr. Plinkett Red Letter Media Reviews, a percentage of Star Wars fans knows what I'm talking about. When Ahsoka starts talking about Thrawn and Ezra, a percentage of the wider Star Wars fandom knows what they're talking about, but I'm going to assume that there's a sizable percentage that doesn't. And I think the show is putting itself behind the eight ball a little bit when two of the characters that everybody else is talking about, that the main conflict seems to be central around, aren't on screen. Ezra is kept through is shown through holograms and a cave paint, a wall painting. And Thrawn is just mentioned. Now we know there we know at least Thrawn is showing up at some point. The previews kind of gave that away. But I don't think the the first two episodes necessarily did the show any favors by keeping pretty important key figures off screen. 
That's all. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here and kind of disagree <laughs> with you. <laughs> I think that um, I think this is a key point, like about what it is. And, and this is kind of like, and I went into this when we did our first reactions on the regular show, but I, I've been trying to stay off Twitter or X and trying to just stay out of this conversation because I feel like I'm just going to be very negative. But I mean, this is the time and place. But yeah, no, I think this is the key point. I don't know what it is about Star Wars uniquely that people accept like everywhere else. It seems we can accept like Marvel, DC, that if we're going to do this interconnected media universe, like people show up and watch what if on Marvel, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. people, even that's not even like a canonized show, but they, they show up and want it, watch it. They say, Oh, it's part of Marvel cinematic universe. I'm going to watch it. But there has been this long time resistance of the, in this fandom of I'm not doing star Wars animation. Like I don't like it. I'm not doing it. Like I don't watch those. And this show is kind of now the bottleneck point where it's like, yeah, like you have to kind of have that part of this fully canonized universe that is a multimedia universe to really understand this live action thing. And for me, it's kind of like, there's this weird thing where like people get pulled into these live action shows, I guess, because of Mando, but like, you know what this show is and like what it requires. Like, so why, what's your interest in even watching it? If, you don't want to go and see the whole saga that it's kind of building on. I mean, like what's your interest in Ahsoka in the beginning? Like, why are you here? You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to be like that guy, but it's just like, it's like somebody coming up to like a pool party who hates to swim after a while and being like, well, why is everybody in this pool? I heard this was a cool pool, but like, ah, you know, I don't want to know about all the pool parties of the past. And it's like, well, I, I may have the answer the as to why the fandom is like that. And yeah. That after 1983, Return of the Jedi comes out. And then from that point on until 1999, when the Phantom Menace drops, we had over a decade of comics, of novels, of games that kept trying to introduce new characters and introduce new concepts to this massive, this galaxy that had been introduced. And then the prequels come out. None of it mattered. And then we have another break after 2000 and what was it three when uh, Revenge of the Sith comes out? Another wave of cartoons, of games, of comics, of novels. They all come out. And then the new trilogy comes out. And Disney says none of it counts. We're going to steal some stuff from it. We're going to steal some of these ideas. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Any what, of the what? tertiary content Wait. that you've been absorbing in between them they've been th kofi here's the thesis statement they trained a couple of generations worth of star wars fans to say only the movies matter and that's why some people are hesitant to not care about the tertiary stuff and want to do the background work i'm not saying i'm one of those people but i'm saying i betting you there's a percentage of fans that only care about the movies Right. I know. But I, I disagree with your remembrance of history. Like Clone Wars came out and has always been canon. That's never that's never changed. And that was in the 2000s. Then in 2010s, Rebels kind of carried that flag for four seasons. And that was all canonized, too. Like none of that was. So none of that was tertiary in more to the point. Like, how are we canon, saying watch those and then watched episode seven? Did any of that matter? 
but those are two different time periods in the large saga. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a lot. That's a very broad yeah. thing. Also, like Hera Syndulla is in. Wait, wait, wait. Like, but it does like, matter. Like Hera Syndulla yeah. and Chopper are in Rogue One. Like they're part of that fleet that shows up, and that's like a little detail that people who watched Rebels were like freaking out about when they saw Rogue One. Like, so they've been doing this in Easter eggs, and yeah, I, I mean, and more to the point, the EU isn't dead. Like, if anything, Thrawn is a proof that, like, the EU has sparked things that have never faded away. Thrawn was created in that time period of the EU. Then Disney said none of that mattered. But he was so popular that, that they, they rewrote that his they entire thing. Him out, kept him basically unchanged and plopped him into canon. Yeah, they yeah, t- they chained Timothy Zahn to a desk and were like, here you go, rewrite this in canon. And, yeah. you know, and it was still a bestseller. So, like... So the EU, there, and there's always been, I mean, the entire sequel trilogy is just a legally cleared kind of reprint of a lot of that EU stuff with like Jace Solo and like, you know, his fall from grace and his sister having to stop him and like yeah, all of that I mean, stuff. Like a lot like, of the stuff gets stolen from that and yeah. into the adaptations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Think of the massive number of people that have seen the Star Wars movies. But I think if Janelle were here, she'd be probably because... I bet you a lot of them didn't know who Thrawn was until Ahsoka brought him up in Mando. So I I would love if Janelle was here for this one because she is a person who, and I think she would just make it simple, is just doesn't like necessarily like animation as a storytelling medium. But this was the part that I said I was teasing Richard that, you know, who runs the show, who's going to get in on. Richard. Can we get can we get Richard in here for a minute? Hey, yeah, we're, 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 we got oh. we're gonna interview Richard. Ah, oh, there he is. What's up, Richard? Like you too, man. Oh, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just built the mall saber, baby. Anyway, uh, Richard, you're, I just want to interview you real quick because you're a good kind of case study for this. Richard is a huge Star Wars fan, but you have traditionally kind of like also been staying away. Oh, double sided. Hit both sides. Got to turn it off. Um. This is all going sideways. We're going to get copyrighted just for I know. Time. Yeah, exactly. Put that <laughs> down. Um, Richard, so you, you're you a massive Star Wars fan. I mean, just that's safe to say, right? Um, but you have also kind of steered away from the animation. What was it about Ahsoka that made you... Because I've been trying to sell you on like watching Rebels and Clone Wars and stuff for years. I've been working yeah. on Richard for many, many years. Um, so what made it... What was it about Ahsoka that finally made you say, all right, I want to go, I'm going to go back and I'm going to jump in. And what was your experience like when you saw Rebels? To be honest, man, I guess it was, uh, I guess having, having seen Ahsoka done so well in live action, like when, within Boba Fett and um, the Mandalorian, it made me want to dive deeper into like, you know, why people love her in Clone Wars and Rebels. So like I, I started Clone Wars first before I started Rebels, but then I actually, after, after Clone Wars, I kind of got into, into rebels man and I'm, I'm honestly really glad i did because it was a it was a big treat for me man like i i, I i'll tell you like well I, they, they don't know but you know i i finished rebels all yesterday well not all of it but I, I finished the last five episodes of season four of rebels yesterday and um i jumped right into ahsoka after that and for me i think that was just a it was a really a big treat jumping fresh in uh right off of rebels and jumping right into ahsoka because i was I was giddy at every small reference. Like when they said Lothal, I was like, oh, I know that planet or I know that place from Rebels. Or like when uh, I think someone uh, addressed Ahsoka as Fulcrum and I was just like, oh, I remember that whole arc within Rebels. Like, I don't know. It was just for me, it was it was a big treat coming in, I guess, knowing, I guess, having done my homework per se. But I I, I enjoyed my homework because Rebels was a it was a 
it was a great experience for me, man. I, I at the beginning of the uh, Rebels, I didn't really care about the cast. I didn't care about Ezra or Kanan, but by the by the end of it, I love the whole crew, man. I love Kanan. I love Ezra. I love Zeb. I love all of them. Hera. I, I just love the whole crew, man. So like to answer your question, I I I, I guess wanting to see more about Ahsoka got me into wanting to watch Rebels. But um, I don't know, man. I, I'm really high on this TV show. I'm really high on the experience so far. And I'm glad that I, I guess, did the homework uh, to to watch Rebels to understand or not understand the show more, but I feel like I appreciated it on a different level. All right. And let me ask you one final question. When you were watching Rebels, were you like, man, I was sleeping on this. And would you watch further Star Wars animations? Absolutely. After this? No, absolutely. Right. I, I was kind of, I guess I, I kind of agree with Connor a little bit. I think I was one of those fans who was conditioned to like not care about the TV shows just because like none of the stuff really mattered uh, for, for a bit. Um, but um, I, I, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in on animated shows now. All right. Wow. Richard, bring in the peace like only a Jedi can. Thank you. I know. In addition to keeping this thing on on the tracks, we only got a little bit more time because I know Richard's got to get out of here. We have uh, the other we have our other show, uh, Phase Zero, coming Phase up. Zero. So we got to we got to clear this uh, station pretty soon. But Peter has some our other producer, Peter, had some great theories that we got to talk about. So let's talk a little bit about a couple things. Um, first up, we're going to I want to talk about Sabine and I want to talk about the black helmeted inquisitor style person uh let's go reverse order because i think this last one's shorter there's a lot of theories going around about who this black helmeted inquisitor person at ahsoka fights and they have this already epic gif moment where he brings back the uh, spinning lightsaber and she just kind of like calmly dodges it and people are saying there's a lot of theories of who that is uh i i'm on the theory train that this is ezra that ezra is actually the black helmeted inquisitor and it's Ezra kind of either something happened to him like out there with Thrawn or I'm of the theory that the world between worlds is a big part of this. And if you remember the end of Rebels, like there's a whole kind of connection with Ezra and, and Ahsoka who Ezra saved her from that duel with Darth Vader by pulling her out of time and space through the world to between worlds. They defended that realm from Palpatine when he was trying to get access to it. And so there's a theory that Ezra might have used that to go like you travel across time and space and be somewhere else and kind of set himself up to help them try to track Thrawn down so he can, you know, surprise and take him out or whatever the case may be. Either way, however they explain it, I do think it's Ezra. That's my theory. Mm -hmm. um, a bigger twist would be like something demented, like it's a resurrected Kanan or something like that. But uh, Freddie Prince Jr. said he wasn't doing this. So that's a long shot. What do you guys think? Any <laughs> theories? Connor? I think it'd be cool. I'm just, I'm terrified of the idea of Star Wars abusing time travel. And I hope, it is, I hope it is relegated to just this show because, uh, oh boy, the last thing we need is for them to pull a Star Trek and be like, guess what, guys? We get to reboot the whole franchise with new, younger, fresh-faced people. Bye. Well, no, yeah. I mean, I mean, I did write an article on comic books that Disney should reboot Star Wars once and it got me a, a lot of death threats. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk about I think they <laughs> handle it. I think they handle it. They don't do like the whole back to the future of it all. It's just like moving. They do it like a, it's a movement through the force. So like one person can affect something in other time and space, almost like force ghosts or echoes. They do all kinds of concepts like this in 
Star Wars, where there's like the part of somebody's essence or a recorded thing of them or a clone that mysteriously comes back, you know, like all of this stuff kind of gets hokey. Yeah. So, um, but it, it could be part of it. Uh, yeah. Matt, you have any, Richard, do you have any theories since you're just fresh off Rebels? Man, I, I hope it's not uh, Ezra. Um, I, I don't know. I, feel, I, I, I like the Kanan idea better or like a resurrected version of Kanan than anything. I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that being like, a, I guess, a, a, a different version, like a, a multiverse thing of Ezra. I don't know. I feel like we get weird when we deal with that stuff like Connor's talking about. I agree with Rich. I think I think Kanan would be, to me, more interesting because I don't necessarily... I don't necessarily need them to like give that like, you know, dark and edgy treatment to Ezra. <laughs> I, like, I like him as a good guy. Yeah, know? like I don't, you know, keep him a baby face, like don't make him a, you know. I mean, yeah, he can't, but that's not going to happen. That man's been out on a star destroyer I know, but with like, an evil uh, villain. You know, yeah. it's, I, just, I just hope. maybe. But if, if it is, you know, I won't be mad as long as they, they nail it. So, you know, it's fine. Um, the other thing that people are really up and kind of talking about is the Sabine storyline. Um, now, Rich, you are fresh off Rebel. So were there any hints you felt now that you've seen this, that Sabine being a Jedi, other than uh, the obvious arc of when Kanan trained her to use the Darksaber, right? Like mm -hmm. Kanan trained Sabine Wren to use the Darksaber at one point because it was her clan that had it and she led and she's the one who gave it to Bo-Katan before Bo-Katan surrendered it to Moff Gideon. And there was this whole storyline. So if you're unfamiliar with all that, go watch Star Wars Rebels. That's a dope storyline. Um, but she did a whole arc of having to train it and Caden explaining how you, because this is a lightsaber, how you have to use it. And like specifically almost like the dark saber and how you got to kind of focus and do that. And she did master that. So there is a bit of precedence in that sense, I guess, if it's just about wielding a lightsaber. Um, but people aren't loving the whole thing that David, uh, Hu, uh, Hu, Hu Yang, the robot, uh, David Tennant's robot guy was just saying, well, you're just, yeah, you're like a Jedi, you're training, but you're just terrible with the force, which again, there is, there is precedent. If you do read enough star Wars novels, high Republic, all this stuff about how different Jedi access and are in tune with the force. Some are more literal, they're swordsmen, they're, you know, swords people. Others are people who don't even really use their sword. They can use the force in different ways. So I guess there is president, but how do you guys feel about that? Do you think, I mean, is it, and I wonder for the people who didn't really see rebels, how do I'm more interested to see how do you guys take that? Yeah. To answer your question about the, the, the Sabine thing, man, I, I even, I guess, I, I didn't know about, you know, there was, I guess, four cents to the people who, you know, I guess, were more skilled just with like sabers and stuff. But to answer your question, even watching her train with Kane and uh, in Rebels, I kind of didn't get a, a feel that she was like force sensitive at all. You know, like I thought he was just training her with the saber because like if you remember, like she had like these things on her arms that like kind of made her push people away or whatnot. She wasn't really using the force. So like I didn't uh, to answer your question. I didn't really get any like she was force sensitive vibes out of Rebels besides the ending the finale when she's like she left with ahsoka or whatnot i was like oh okay so you're going to go train with her or something like that but um I, i'm I, I like i like where it's going because i like the idea of a force sensitive mandalorian but nothing yeah. that i've seen so far has like really confirmed that she's force sensitive to me yeah i mean i believe and don't guys don't nail me i'm, I'm not always <laughs> right about star wars okay the typing begins <laughs> 
I believe, yeah. <laughs> the original Vizsla, who, the Vizsla who created the Dark Tar Saber Vizsla? was Tar Vizsla. Uh, uh, yeah, whoever was in way back during the Sith War who created the Dark Saber was mm-hmm. the only Mandalorian, the first and maybe only Mandalorian Jedi that if, we know. If I'm, yeah, that we know of. That I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, Peter's yeah, Peter's on top of it. Yeah, Tare Vizsla, Tare Vizsla was the one who created the dark, uh, who created the dark saber and became a Jedi. And when he died, Mandalore and the Jedi went to war so that the Mandalorians could steal back the dark saber because they felt it belonged with them. So she would be the only, only the second Mandalorian Jedi. And Which I is think cool. there is president. Yeah, because. Yeah, this is a larger universe. And I think when you start to have to take it like that, again, like the whole multimedia thing, when you absorb all of the stories, the Mandalorian's whole thing with the Darksaber kind of like in Grogu really did kind of bring out this whole idea that trying to synchronize these two worlds, the creed of a Mandalorian and the creed of a Jedi is like nearly impossible, right? Mm. That's why that was Grogu's whole thing. That's why he had to choose. Um, and nothing made any of those Mandalorians turn Jedi with the dark saber. So I get it. I get why it could be a minute for her to kind of access the force, but I would love if they did do it through something cool, like her art, right? Like different Jedi who like music or painting. Oh yeah. They can manifest it in different ways. Yeah. It manifests it in different ways. So that would be dope if they do something like that, but no, I mean, it is a new development. Well, because like rich, I'm, like yeah, Rich just came off the shows, right? And I, I kind of wish I had like just done the complete redo and then gone from beginning to end because I always enjoy shows better that way when I'm fresh off it. Um, but I'm I'm because I'm not as tied to like a specific version of that character. Like this character has to be this way. Like I am to some other characters. Uh, I'm more open, right? So like I that sounds cool to me. It's a rarity in the universe. Right. It sets her apart she's already a badass character anyway. So like, I I'm cool with that. You know, you'll go in, you can explain, right. You can, you can say like, Hey, there was some time here (laughs) that she was training and she hones some things and they discovered this, right. You can do that through flashbacks and stuff. So like you can make the reasons and then set her off onto her own. And I, and I think it's a cool idea. Um, So yeah, I'm down for it. Also just real quick on our previous conversation. I'm just telling y'all, we're going to have the same conversation whenever Dr. Afra comes to the big screen. So do your do your homework. Yeah, homework do that, yeah. <laughs> Character rules. Uh, yeah, Afra. You're, you're going to like when she comes in, it's going to be the same conversation all over again. I'm like, well, should I have read the comics or should I have done this? Go do it because she's amazing. And whenever yeah, she comes in, she'll, she's going to be awesome. So just FYI, heads up. Yeah, if you guys don't watch our regular show, if you're just coming on because you like Ahsoka, yeah, we are big stumpers for Star Wars comics, Star Wars animation, Star Wars novels. We we do it all, um, and there's some good stuff out there, man. It really is. We've we've I really got deep into that during the pandemic. I was just like, oh man, Star Wars has all this great other content when they aren't when we can't watch TV shows or movies. But um, all right, let's get some final thoughts in. I think that for me, keeping I liked that this was all still almost tied directly out of that Mandalorian episode uh, with Ahsoka and uh, what's her name, Morgan Morgan Elizabeth. Uh, I forget the ah uh, the like Thrawn's la- uh, henchwoman, uh, Mona Morgan Elizabeth. Yeah, I got it right. 
Yeah, um, I like that it was tied directly to her and that whole conflict she in that fight she and Ahsoka had the duel. Um, I, you know, R.I.P. Ray Stevenson, like for real, man. Yeah. Like one of the great character actors of our time. Like everything that guy did. I, I mean, even if I didn't like the project Punisher, like I loved him in it, and <laughs> he's just. He's he's just good at being like an interesting villain because he's not arch. Like there's just something like where he says where he's talking to Morgan in this, and then one of my favorite lines, and he's like, hmm, she's like, Are you concerned that he's coming? He's like, Yeah. He was like, It'd be a shame to kill that Jedi. So few left. And she's like, What? Like, what are you saying? He's like, it's just the truth. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, man, this guy. Yeah, even when he just goes and takes out a whole ship of people, he's just like, he's calm and he's scary because you could see him as somebody who had to go on the run to the unknown regions after order 66 and just doing what it takes to survive and how they can change your perspective. And Ivana Sakano as Shin Hatai is like, yeah, I mean, that girl's got a future as an actress for sure. She was a real standout in her duel. I really liked her duel with Sabine. Like it was exciting. And that was one that actually had me like on the edge of my seat where I was like, Oh man, I was like, would they merc Sabine right in the beginning of this? Like, <laughs> and she definitely, um, I know Peter's like going nuts in the background. Uh, I won't get into the logistics of lightsaber and pale, uh, which is becoming <laughs> I saw that. like a big deal. <laughs> in Star Every Wars Disney franchise now is just telling you, yeah, getting stabbed in the stomach. It's not a death kill. It don't like, matter. Like, Unless they don't know your name. In a black Panther. Too, <laughs> and he got and he like, He's fine. It killed Qui-Gon, but like Maul getting cut in half didn't kill <laughs> oh, him. Like, yeah, it's so funny. Like, yeah, people's like crazy rules for when you can get impaled in Star Wars and like what happens to you or doesn't happen to you. But if you stab a droid through, they're done. Like, yeah, you, yeah, put, a, you put a hole in a droid, it's over. Except, I mean, technically in this episode, Sabine did kill, stab that one droid that then tried to jump Ahsoka, didn't she? Or was that just a third droid that they never got? I don't know. Yeah, I have to go back and rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. I have to go back and rewatch. But um, overall, I thought the aesthetic was cool. Uh, there was some of that soundstage hollowness to it that you get in some of these shows. But not everything could be Andor, right? Like Andor was a whole <laughs> different aesthetic and feel. And that's not shade. Um, I loved some of the things like Richard, like the recreating the finale of Rebels, like shot for shot, where Sabine comes into the hall and like, rubs painting except doing it and now we understand it in this different context of what's mm -hmm. happening is it's really good and for all the faults i think it is an achievement in and of itself just to successfully take these characters in this world from an animated format into live action and yes joel heller over on facebook you are correct the music in this is great this yes, is especially when she was, she was on the bike <laughs> oh right yeah now. that bike scene i mean there are a lot of dope scenes in this in like character scenes like sabine sliding under that thing that and every dope. time it made me want to get one of those hover bikes to just ride man i need a hover bike highway but um yeah and this is like a new it's kind of a newish sound for star wars but still has you know a lot of elements of the classic stuff but this was a dope soundtrack and it's dope enough that everybody who's just coming away being like, yeah, that show, but that soundtrack's like is thumping, man. Like, so I like what Filoni's made. And I think he has, and more importantly, I think he has the threads together to actually build to a satisfying like event film out of all of this. So I'm going to be in and uh, you guys have no choice to be in because we're going to be doing these recap episodes every week during Ahsoka's run because there's a lot to talk about. Does anybody have any final thoughts before we wrap up? 
uh, Shin, the uh, the Padawan Sith. She's got the same wig as Sia, circa like 2014. It's very distracting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Right. This man said Sia. Oh boy! Oh man! I always love a good pop reference in the yeah, you're, you're <laughs> in our Star Connor Casey, I, I have nothing Connor to add control. to that. That was. I feel like that's the perfect way to close it. I have um, a question, uh, Kofi. Yeah, if you know, in this uh, Filoni verse, where does like uh, Soka fall? Is this before we see her and Mando and Boba? After? Or do we know that information yet? It's after. It's after. I, I, it's. It goes. She met the Mandalorian in season two. That's where she fought Morgan Elsbeth, and she captured her. So that was when that happened. So this picks up after that, and I'm pretty sure that. Yeah, she trained Grogu and did all that with Luke before this, but I can't be a hundred percent on that. Like, I'm not sure on that, but I'm pretty okay. sure that it's before this too, because I'm pretty sure that Mando happened before this. Like, our book of Boba Fett happened before this, so I'm pretty sure that's how it lines up. But gotcha. I'm pretty sure that in real kind of compression of in universe time, these things are like pretty quick, like. She's tracking Thrawn, Thrawn, she stops, she kind of like hangs out with Luke for a minute and then she's back on the kind of the hunt for things. And she made a pit stop just to help Grogu out is how I think it plays out. But that's how I think it is. Makes sense because I think her first live action line was like, where's Ezra? Oh, yeah. yeah Something yep. like that. And yeah, no, she ends that episode saying, you know, like when she captures Morgan Elspeth, that's her line. She's like, tell me everything about like Grand Admiral Thrawn or something like that. And it was like, oh, mm-hmm. but um, one final point. Uh, I, like I said, I don't mind. I think it would be weird to see Rosario Dawson acting like the same Ahsoka that Ashley Eckstein, Eckstein was when she was younger. Right. Like who's still acting in their later older years like they did when they were like a teenager or 20, right? And I think if there's anybody, if you go back and track it, Ahsoka Tano has had one of the most dynamic developments across Star Wars. She started out all bright-eyed and plucky, being Anakin's kind of brighter, pluckier sidekick. But like her whole story in Clone Wars is one of disillusionment. That's why she basically becomes what the High Republic calls like a wayfinder, which is just her own kind of a Jedi who operates without the jet, you know, adhering to the Jedi Council and the Jedi Order, but still kind of walks that path. It's because of how she became disillusioned with who they were and what they were doing during the war and how they all believed and kind of turned on her at one key point. But, you know, she had and like as Ahsoka's character goes on, by the time you see that what Tales of the Jedi episode where she's in hiding. And she takes out that Inquisitor with like two slices. Like she's becomes a much more serious character because she goes through a lot of stuff. Like she and Rex have to kill a lot of her old soldiers to get out of order 66. You know, her master became the most evil person in the galaxy. Like it's just, she becomes a much more serious person. And so like at this point, her being pensive and, and she's in the master position now. Right. Which is interesting. And I like to see that. So I don't have a problem with how she's playing it, but I, I do hope as we get more episodes of like her and Sabine and Hera on this mission, that the banter and the personality gets a little bit warmer and kind of comes out. Agreed. I mean, I, I wouldn't be yeah. mad at that. Agreed on that. All right. Have we, have we done it? I think so. I think we've done it. Yeah, I think we've done it. I think we've done it. All right. So these have been our recaps and discussions of 
the first two episodes of Star Wars Ahsoka. As I said, we do these bonus round episodes to focus in on really big things that are happening in geek culture, but we are Comic Book Nation and we do it all for geek culture every Friday live at 12 noon Eastern on these same same channels you are watching now on these same podcast platforms you might be hearing us on now. So be sure to subscribe and check in with our regular show every week. I am Kofi Outlaw and you can find me out there on socials at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Connor Casey CB. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. Rich, you do a lot. Where do, you, where do the people find you? Hey, on Instagram at Ice Cold Trey. There you go. Ice Cold Trey. Um, thank you guys for showing up for our impromptu live show to cover Ahsoka. This has freed up a nice portion of my day. Uh, we'll see you guys back. If you're just kind of coming in for this bonus ep, then be sure that's okay too. Just be sure to be back next week after episode two, where we break down or episode three, actually, where we break yeah. down everything that happens in Star Wars Ahsoka episode three in full spoilers. All right, this is Comic Book Nation. This is the end of our bonus round. We will see you guys out there. Peace. Later. Later.